There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, every story goes back to money. Follow the money trail, you get to the heart of every story, I believe. It's that taboo conversation, whether it's, you know, drinks with your friends, not being able to talk about money, but talking about everything else. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. I've been working in consumer lending strategy for 21 years, delivering projects in over a dozen countries spread across Africa, Asia, and Europe. There's a lot to be said for that sort of broad experience. Certainly, it's how I've been able to source many of the guests for this show. Spending so much time within an industry's walls can also be isolating. And the fact is many borrowers are simply unaware of credit mechanics that I and you may take for granted. That's why from time to time, I think it's worth hearing the borrower's point of view. Today's guest, Nicole Lappin, has a massive audience who are not afraid to talk to her about their money problems and concerns. Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin is now one of the most popular business podcasts in America with daily discussions of all aspects of personal financial management, including, for us, insights into borrowers' struggles and successes with their credit products. Nicole Lappin, welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers. I am delighted to be chatting to you, not least of all because you've very quickly established yourself as one of America's top finance podcasters. While my own show on its very best days might poke its head into the top 10 charts, Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin is seemingly entrenched right near the top of those. So you already had a career in TV. What got you into podcasting in the first place? Wow. Well, Thank you. I was a total podcasting novice until a couple of years ago. I started, as you mentioned, in television and I'm old. So back in the day, I went to local news markets and sort of worked my way up and ultimately got to CNN and CNBC and Bloomberg and, you know, the networks. And I had reached a lot of goals early in life, which is high class problems because you come up with new goals or you just decide, you know what? The rest is just gravy. I might as well make a difference with my life, which is kind of what I did. I left my cushy anchor job and I wanted to speak to people who weren't watching shows with a ticker on the bottom that felt intimidated by those types of news outlets and try to reach my former self. You know, somebody who was so clueless with money, who grew up in an immigrant family got in a bunch of debt. You know, if I could do it, anyone could do it. I started as a poetry major in college, (laughs) so I didn't have the formal training or expertise, but I found this void in a market that was really underserved and it definitely beat all of my expectations. I thought I would write one book, 
one book turned into two, turned into three, turned into four now, which will turn into 10 by the time this next deal is done. And, you know, I don't say that to brag. I say it because there is an audience of young women in particular who have felt left out of this conversation for so long. And so I avoided the podcast world, to be honest, for quite some time. I probably, in hindsight, should have put my stake in the ground earlier on, but I was writing books and doing other mediums. I ultimately started with a show with the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason Pfeiffer, called Hush Money. And the reason I did that, actually, I was drunk in Cannes during Can Lion on Rosé. And this idea just came to me. One of the iHeart execs was also there. And I said, well, you know what? I talk to young women primarily. And with books in particular, you can't be all things to all people, or I believe you're nothing to anyone. So you really need to choose your audience, know who she is or he is, and speak directly to them and no one else. But with this type of medium, I thought... You know, I don't really talk to dudes a lot. I kind of live in this microcosm or echo chamber of, you know, women talking to women and what guys might think. And so, look, let's just ask a dude. And Jason uh, has a, a million projects. He did not need another one. But thankfully, he said yes. And we did Hush Money for a couple of seasons. And then the pandemic hit and it became the biggest story of our time, of course, health and wealth being the most important. And I begged the executives to give me a daily show, not knowing that I was getting into actually having then to do a daily show. Uh, it is a lot. But again, it is such an honor. And I hope that I am doing better with the podcasting space or with the audio space. I always tell my team, like, please tell me. I, I don't feel like this is my native medium. So I definitely have a lot to learn. But don't we all? We do indeed. And I think it's that idea of echo chambers that makes you an exciting guest for me on the show because you know I've worked in lending for 20 years. I started the show when I stepped out of corporate to stay connected to the industry and I largely leveraged my network at the start. And so it's all people who've worked in the industry 10, 20 years and we can really forget what it feels like to be that outsider. And it's very easy to forget that and to think 20 years later, everybody knows how to handle their credit, but it's not the case. And I think you are able with your show because there's daily lots of conversations happening, you're able to really get a much closer sense of what real people are feeling perhaps and what they struggle with with credit, which could be obviously just the credit burden, but also the complexities of credit as we sell it to the market. So I'd love to hear some of what you're hearing. It's so interesting that I'm doing this show today. Just last night, I was on a panel with uh, the CEO of FICO, Will Lansing and Scott Sandburn, CEO of Lending Club. And they were talking a lot of like very B2B wonky lending stuff and, you know, how to score people and alternate scores and you know, what are the regulations coming out of Washington in particular. And, you know, I really just said from my perspective as someone who used to leave her credit reports once I finally got the courage to even request a credit report on the counter for weeks because I was too scared to even open it. From my perspective and what I'm hearing on the flip side is that there's just not enough education around what lending even means or what interest rates even are or how that affects you. I just did a 
segment for Good Morning America where I was breaking down interest rates. And they said, oh, we didn't know that just because interest rates go up on credit cards, it's not all bad. It also goes up at the bank. That's cool. And, you know, all of these folks went to college, as did I. I didn't learn any of this stuff in college. You know, my college degree in 350 will get me a latte. (laughs) It's just so maddening that there's not a curriculum for this. And even if you go to college or university or even business school, I've been speaking to business schools over the years. And I'm like, am I going to get escorted out of the building? Like, what am I doing here? Why are you guys listening to me? You guys are paying $100,000 or more for your brain. And I'm teaching you this basic personal finance stuff. And so I think there's just a lack of education at every level. And you would be lying to yourself, too, if you thought it wasn't in the financial services industry as well. I think companies that provide loans, that are banks, that are in any sort of financial service, their employees are really clueless and they're the most shameful to admit that they don't know what's going on. And so I think that the biggest thing from a consumer's perspective now is just understanding these products that are just framed in a really complicated way. Last night during the panel, we spoke about overdraft protection. That's crap the way we describe it, right? Because it's not protecting you. It's it's ultimately a bad thing to sign up for for a consumer. And that sucks. That's not fair. And so I think that explaining to consumers more of what this is in plain English will help everybody. You mentioned their shame. And I think one of the key messages I've seen in in your show is this idea that talking about money still to this day remains kind of one of the last taboo talking points. And leaving it as a taboo subject means we all suffer. And what I really like is that you fully embody this philosophy of let's talk about it, let's stop making it awkward. You have got yourself negotiating a, a rental deal with your landlord, you've got yourself phoning a friend, trying to get back some money they owe you. You're not afraid to be the subject of your own show. If I may assign you a spokesperson for all consumers out there for a moment, what can lenders do to try and get rid of that shame or that feeling of shame and to make these discussions easier to start? Because, you know, you think of a bank, it's a big imposing building with marble and you know, a bulletproof glass window that you're trying to shout through. That's not really conducive to having a conversation that's difficult to have. How could lenders maybe think about reframing the attitude or their processes that consumers do feel they can talk to them, do feel they can raise up problems before it's six months too late? I do love to put my money where my mouth is. So thank you for checking out some of those episodes. I think those conversations are the thing that stump people the most. I think in theory, you know, there's a desire to do well for yourself, for your family, take care of yourself, to grow wealth. But I think you can get people down with that pretty quickly. But then you say, okay, well, how do I have that conversation? I think you know, women know they should negotiate for more, but they're like, oh, shoot, now what? <laughs> like, what do I actually say? What's the blocking and tackling? And so in my books, I provide scripts, like sample scripts of what you can say when you're having these conversations, because I think it's that taboo conversation, whether it's with, you know, drinks with your friends, not being able to talk about money, but talking about everything else. I'll let you use your imagination. Or it's, you know, having these 
conversations with like seemingly scary, right? Marble clad banks or the IRS or, you know, even your own accountant. These fantastical stories we tell ourselves come out of fear and shame and guilt. I'm going to go to jail if I talk to the IRS, right? Like people have this deep rooted trauma in one way or another. And I've had very deep rooted financial trauma myself from my family, but we all have, right? Even in a macro sense, if you lived through the housing crisis or you saw your family's house be foreclosed on like I did, like my fiance did, that will change how you act as an adult until you deal with it. And so I think that the lenders, in order to ultimately win the war, not necessarily the battle. I think like the overdraft protection thing or like, you know, trying to get a little bit more off the top here or there is just myopic. It's really short-sighted. It's basic business, right? You want customers for the long run. And ultimately, you'll get more from customers if they're able to get a mortgage, if they're able to get to a better place. And so that's not idealistic, like Pollyanna-ish of me. That's capitalistic, right? If you want to grow a business, you want customers for the long run. You don't want them to say, oh, well, F you, you know, you you screwed me on like this $35 or $50, you know, late fee. And so those types of tactics suck. They they suck for everybody. And I think they they keep people who would be in a place to have greater borrowing potential and also have a greater likelihood for ultimate financial success and thus need more financial products. It kind of you know, boot them out of the system too early. Yeah. So here in the UK, we there was a big scandal, a big uh, case action lawsuit one on the mis-selling of purchasing protection. Essentially, a very similar idea where you were sold insurance on your credit cards that would cover your debts if you went delinquent. But essentially, that insurance just paid the credit card company because you weren't getting any of that money. It just meant the card company were paid off if you defaulted and you had been paying that insurance the whole time and the industry was taken to court and lost and had to pay out a lot of money to consumers. And still to this day, you're right. It's keeping people away and it's keeping people at the margins away. I think, again, returning to some of the episodes you've done, you've mentioned a few of the here already, but you encapsulate some of the core things that consumers should be thinking about to to get their credit in order in your five credit do's and don'ts. If you think about those things that you know, you're recommending consumers doing or you seeing consumers trip themselves up with, what are those kind of main behaviors that you see that are causing problems for consumers? Well, something that I also just discussed in this deeper dive conversation about this very topic was the idea of potentially even offering consumers little financial quizzes or little boot camp educations and then giving them something in return, like higher credit or some sort of reward from that institution for actually educating themselves. We see this happen at the DMV or when you get a ticket, you go through car school, (laughs) auto school, driving school, (laughs) and then you, you know, get rewarded from the system. Why are we not doing that in the financial system? We can very easily. A lot of, you know, behaviors that we see tripping customers up are easily explained if we just stay away from the jargon. I think that we hide behind this jargon and we won't fix it until 
we, hello, Captain Obvious, actually just start using real English. So yeah, overdraft protection. You know, what is APR? What's a credit limit or utilization score? All of this stuff that like, you know, I just know from my former self who was scared, broke out into hives thinking about any of this stuff would just be like, blah, 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 earmuffs, don't want to hear it, don't want to deal with it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think that... We do two things. We sort of hide behind this jargon or we talk down to people, which is offensive, too, which is also why I've tried to speak to women uh, without shrinking it and pinking it. Like, I'm really offended by this idea that somehow I need, like, a woman app. No, like, I want to go to my Schwab account or my Fidelity account. Like, I don't need a woman app. No. And so we need to find that middle ground where you're not talking down to people, you're not underestimating people. And I think it is a real trickle up effect. If you help the people that are struggling among us, if you're helping people who are working paycheck to paycheck ultimately have enough wherewithal and ability to get a house or get a business loan or whatever else. It, you know, ultimately helps society, ultimately helps the country that you're in, and it floats all boats. And sometimes we lose sight of that for short-term profit. The shame, the reluctance to talk, the inability to understand and, you know, the unwillingness to to want to stand in front of a, you know, a banker in a suit and tie and say, I don't understand this, means it gets pushed out, someone takes a payday loan, all of a sudden $1,000 becomes $10,000 and, and now it's unavoidable, but it's also not fixable. And I think a cleaner, smoother system for everybody is also just cheaper system for the banks. It's expensive to try and recover debt that's uh, in trouble. And that's something that it's about time that we see some investment in. And yeah, I mean, I'd worked in banks for 20 years. If I look at my credit card statement and it says you've got a debit of 500 and you've got a credit of 300 front and I'm like, well, which one's, where's the one that just says last month you paid me this, this month you should pay that. Well, of course, this is turning people away. So I think this sort of show is fantastic talking at a, at a human level, neither patronizing nor avoiding the topic. And yeah, it's been great chatting to you. And I've seen on money rehab with Nicole Lappin, which is available, obviously, where all fine podcasts are downloaded. <laughs> you you do cover all aspects of money management as well. So I mean, we're talking lending here, but you also look at investment and budgeting and 
and the credit side in, in bite-sized, you know, no jargon episodes, which I think are, are very appealing. You incorporated that, obviously, as we, we've sort of touched on some lending products. We've talked about some of the main ones, but I've seen episodes with sort of uh, controversial topics like car loans or a mistake. Before I let you go, what other loan top tips are you seeing or top strategies are consumers having to put in place to navigate this world that us in the lending industry have created? It's true. I don't love, I don't love a car loan. And I also think art based NFTs could be a front for money laundering. <laughs> so I just say what a lot of people are thinking because I think that these misconceptions have been told to people once and they stick and they just assume that it's gospel. And by the way, whatever I say, whatever you say, whatever anyone says is ultimately just opinion. There's only a couple truisms on Wall Street, one being buy low, sell high, another being it's better to be low expectations. But beyond that, it's all just opinion. So maybe a car loan is good for you. I don't know. I don't know your personal situation. And maybe you love NFTs and are making a lot of money or whatever. But I just really encourage listeners and readers or any of my audience across all the beautiful, beautiful mediums to think for themselves, to ultimately understand that none of this stuff is gospel. If you get a car loan or you don't have a mortgage and you rent, the financial gods are not going to come down and beat you up. That's not a thing. There is a different course for everyone, but you have to get to a place of empowerment to understand that there is a moment. This happened to me when I became a vegetarian. I grew up in a household that ate meat. And at some point I said to myself, self? Do I like meat? It's that moment where you ask yourself, just because it's been done a certain way or just because I've heard it's supposed to be done a certain way, does that mean it's the way it needs to be moving forward for me? That is a really empowering place to be. And I think that when you empower people to make those best decisions, then everybody wins. They're just going to continue to do more and it's better business for them and for you as a lender or a financial institution. Yeah, indeed. And we've seen that across industries where if you think about the car sales in the old days and the famous sort of crook who was selling you a second-hand car versus the environments now where you can buy a car online without all the high-pressure sales, people will go there. They, they don't want all that difficult situation. They will transact more in an environment they trust and an environment they understand. So as you said, this is good all around for borrowers and for lenders. Nicole, thank you again for your time. I think it's great to have a voice like yours and a you know, place for hearing the voices of your audience and sharing that. So I'm sure lots of people listening to me now would also like to tune in and hear you on Money Rehab. Where can they go to find that show or to find more about your books? We didn't touch about your books, so maybe we should do that as well. Well, I liked the way you put it. And as a podcaster, you often have to say this spiel of, you know, get it at the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. You know, you, you say that a lot during different ad reads. I think you said where all fine podcasts are downloaded. I really liked that. So I'm going to borrow it. So yes, you can find Money Rehab wherever you find all fine podcasts downloaded. No, I even messed that up. It's available where you... No, no, I messed it up again. You Can you do it? Wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Perfect. Perfect. That's right. And your books, I'm guessing, similarly, where I stole the phrase from originally, I'm sure your books are also available where all fine books are sold. That's right. Where can people learn more about that side of you? Yeah, or you can find me at Nicole Lappin, 
wherever all fine social media is served. And I try to react to news of the day and help guide listeners and viewers through some of the headlines that we've been seeing. And there are really scary headlines, inflation and interest rates and recession and all this stuff. So you can find me there. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange in Brighton, England, and edited with assistance by Kane Hunter. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.